This is episode number 40 with Frank Shankwitz, the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, who was identified as one of the 10 most amazing Arizonans. And if you don't already know who Frank Shankwitz is, I hope that you'll go find his biographical movie on Netflix, The Wishman, and watch it. I've been following the making of his movie at least for the past five years. Frank is a former Arizona Highway Patrol officer turned wishman who granted the wish of a seven-year-old boy with leukemia whose wish was to be a Highway Patrol officer. If you watch the movie, you'll see how Frank made his wish come true, and the rest is history with his vision of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Frank has spent most of his adult life seeking to fulfill the dreams of others, no matter how big or small. If you've ever met a child who's gone through leukemia, it's devastating for the family as well as for the child. A few years ago, my husband's best friend from high school called and he wanted to let us know that his daughter, who was my husband's goddaughter, was diagnosed with leukemia. So we watched firsthand the stress that's involved with this. And at the time, I was watching the making of The Wishman and had no idea that it was Frank who was behind the Make-A-Wish Foundation who was taking away all the stress from families like my husband's best friend. Frank has changed the lives of thousands of people through his generosity, grit, and belief in the human spirit. Because of his work, he's received the President's Call to Service Award, the Making a Difference in the World, and the Ellis Island Medal of Honor Awards. Frank, it's such an honor to speak with you today. I just wish we could be face-to-face -face since we're both in Arizona. Well, thank you, Andrea. <clears throat> And I know it took a long time. I apologize. I've been so busy, but we finally connected. Oh, it's not been long at all. This was just perfect. So um, even before I get into the questions that I have for you, I just wanted to honor you, first of all, for the years that you've dedicated to law enforcement through the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Um, my husband, along with his full-time job, is a commander with the Sheriff's Posse with the Maricopa Sheriff's Office. So we in our household have a deeper understanding of the sacrifice that comes along with the day-to-day -day duty of going out to give back in law enforcement, which I'm sure is the nature of this is where your giving spirit began. Um, you know, putting yourself in the seat of danger uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So I want to thank you for the years of service that you've given to Arizona. I down in Yuma, Arizona, the car officer. And then uh, in 1970. Uh, four Arizona Highway Patrol wanted to start a motorcycle unit again, which they had had several years ago. And I was asked to apply for motorcycle training. And what they were developing was a 10-man motorcycle unit that worked the whole state of Arizona. It was a tax squad, two weeks in one town, two weeks in another town, based in Phoenix, but seldom there. And that just led to this whole career of eventually meeting Chris, the little boy that inspired me to start the Bankwish Foundation, because of the popular TV show Chips that was on at the time. And, and for people who don't know about Chips, it was the adventures of two California Highway Patrol motorcycle officers, Ponch and John. And the young kids just loved this show. And in fact, during this period, as we're going into the small little towns all over Arizona, usually a two-man team like Chips, the kids, the grade school kids, hey, Ponch, hey, John, hey, Chips. So it was so much fun to identifying with the kids that way. Oh, I loved Chips growing up, for sure. That was a great yeah, movie. Yeah, I only, spent, I only spent 12 years in uniform, then was promoted to detective, and first worked in narcotics, undercover narcotics, then eventually 
in our special investigations homicide unit, where I spent the majority of my career. Got it. So you have seen it all out there because I, I went out one night. I, I got a chance to go in the in the vehicle for uh, an evening and see stuff. And I saw more in my whole life in one evening. So I know you've seen it all. <laughs> well, after 42 years, I guess so. Yes. Well, so Frank, let's get into, uh, you know, your book and how it turned into a movie. And I had actually been following it because I follow Greg Reed. And uh, I didn't know that, you know, it was you that was behind the Make-A-Wish until I watched the movie. I always was watching this Wishman movie, but I just didn't make the connection and I don't know why. So can you give an overview of where it started? You know, you, you, you mentioned that the young boy that inspired you in the movie, um, and then you wrote a book and then, how did the movie and even you know getting your movie to be running for an oscar how did this all happen <laughs> and that fortunate um in 2000, uh, 2011 uh, i get a call from a gentleman named greg reed i'm still active homicide he said i'm flying you to san diego uh, i want to talk to you because i think you'd be great on my speaking stage and i said well number one i don't know who you are and i'm thinking maybe this is a setup somebody i put in prison <laughs> a relative wants to get even. <laughs> but then what we call a wants a warrant check. Who doesn't like San Diego, right? Right. Uh, okay, this man has, has got credibility behind his name. Go over there. And that started this whole great relationship, mentorship um, that he got me involved. Because for years and years, I spoke for Make-A-Wish, obviously not charging. It's my foundation. But he wanted to bring me on the professional speaker side. Yeah. And after a couple of events in San Diego, I was approached by a publisher, listen, we, we need to write a book about what your story is. And uh, I had our homicide reports of lengthy, but they're like cops, saw crook, arrested, same. And I had to learn how to write in, it was a beautiful moonlit night, the whole description thing. And it took a couple years to write that book. And just as the book was gonna get ready to be published, Greg invited me back to a film they were making, a documentary called Stickability that was being filmed at Secret Knock. And he introduced me to the director that was filming this, the film crew, and he said, one of your presentations is gonna be included in this movie. Had me on stage and we did the thing. And afterwards he said, by the way, what's your wish? And I, I said, nobody's ever asked me that. It's not about me, it's about the kids. He said, no, what's your wish? Do you want a Lamborghini? Do you want a fancy vacation? Do you want a house? What, what is your wish? And I said, well, I just like my story to be told. Uh, so my kids, grandkids knew grandpa did something cool. And I was just talking like a magazine article or something. Mm -hmm. Right after that event, the director from that stickability production came up. He said, I have never seen an audience reaction like I saw today. And I want to do a movie about your life. And I thought they were talking about a documentary. And first I said, no, you don't. He said, yes, we do. But uh, we just started talking. He said, no, a feature film. And as we talk more and more about it, I said, I've been with Hollywood, involved with Hollywood before. I said, I'm a contract. I want complete script approval because I know how Hollywood embellishes things. Right. So uh, that we signed that. And it, it, took, it took two and a half years. Theo Davies was the director and also the screenwriter and wrote the screenplay. And I said, it took two and a half years between give and take to get the screenplay where it was acceptable for me and obviously for him. 
And then once we started that, they hired me as a uh, location scout. I, I really lobbied for the film to be filmed in Arizona. Arizona doesn't give tax credits anymore to the movie industry. But I knew I could get big reductions and it sets everything that we needed to do. And they hired me as location scout, technical advisor, consultant, producer, and found enough people in my hometown that would help out, that would donate these locations uh, where we did film it here in Arizona. Uh, it took six years actually from inception to when we finished filming and in 2017 and another full year in editing. Uh, you think filming is hard, the editing is just unbelievable <laughs> what they're doing and background and everything else. And then like we mentioned, uh, we released it in June last year. Uh, we received all sorts of awards already, including being qualified uh, for Academy Award nomination for Best Picture Oscar, which to the producers, the crew, the cast, me, I mean, unbelievable. We're with the big boys on this low-budget independent film, and here and there, we're up there for a possible Oscar. Now, the names were released, the top 10. We didn't make it. We didn't think we would. But still, to be in that group was just right. an honor. Absolutely. It was wild watching you. You know, wheels up. We're off to Hollywood. <laughs> oh, Frank. It was so exciting. Well, that's, that's a, a powerful story. What were some of the lessons that you learned from this whole experience? Because like, I'm sure it, you didn't get this training, you know, working on Arizona highways. Well, if you're referring to the movie making? Everything, you know, well, definitely. Yeah. You, you talked a bit about the writing of the book. You know, you had to get some some guidance there. but And, and even the fact that there's so many little uh, things that you would need to get your movie to qualify, the criteria for an Oscar. Did you have someone that helped you along the way? Well, Greg Reed is, is started the production company, Triple Three Films. Okay. And he's the producer, the president of that. And through that, we got the contacts. And like he says, and I learned even in college, uh, surround yourself with people smarter than you. And that's what he did. He made those contacts. In fact, during filming, he said, I got to fire myself. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he brought on a, a gentleman named Mark Gold, who's the executive producer, that had the background in the industry, which just turned this whole thing around and just kept introducing us to other people that could help us out. The biggest thing was the people liked this mission. They liked the story. They read the screenplay. And they just said, and even when we were filming, all of us kind of started thinking, you know, I think we got something here. We think there's was, was really something special going to happen. And the people that saw the rushes, as they call it, and that, they think, wow, I want to get involved in this. Well, that's powerful because I, I always thought that it, it took place through CEO space. I didn't realize that it was Greg that called you up. So that's, that's powerful because we always need to have mentors to guide us along the way. It's uh, pretty powerful for me to see that it was Greg that called you and that brought you into this, this world. Well, and also Greg introduced me to Bernie Dorman, president CEO of CEO Space. In fact, I'm a charter member. I'm a lifetime member. And we, when uh, they were having CEO Space in Las Vegas for several years, Bernie invited us over there to speak, to meet people in that. And we did meet people over there because it's such a big networking thing. And was it for Bernie, we would have met some of those other people that helped us get involved with this whole uh, movie production. Definitely, definitely. So the networking helped. Are there skills that you see that are missing with today's youth? Like um, empathy, kindness, caring, 
giving back. These are all skills that we're trying to bring back to schools that are translating into the workplace and called emotional intelligence. Um, do you see skills that are missing today that you really wish were, um, there, there was more of a focus on from your background? Well, I think the biggest one is a work ethic along with developing character and integrity. And I say work ethic, uh, as I was winding down my career, uh, and I retired in 2014, and um, I did a lot of, uh, for our background investigations for uh, troops that are applying and doing the interviews with them. And their, their total background work experiences may be at a McDonald's or something like that. Mm -hmm. They have no work ethic that, and they would say, you mean you want me to work a midnight shift? You want me to work on a holiday? I can't do that. I have to have fun and be with people. And, and again, that's the biggest thing I see. Now that's, I don't want to say a majority. Uh, I don't even want to say minority because you see just the opposite with the high school kids that were just involved with so much. So what does it depend on? I, I guess it's the parenting, the coaching, the mentorship that they're mm -hmm. receiving. But just get this work ethic, this integrity, build this character. I like to say character is developed, is not inherited. Got it. And it's mentored by, by us to our children. Uh, and then into the schools, and then that's what builds our future workforce. Yeah, it's that time where everybody got a trophy, just because you sat on a bench or something, so you got a trophy. You didn't have to work for anything. Mm -hmm. I was taught in my very young life, uh, we were so poor, the poor people were feeding us. And if you want to eat, this is before food stamps or anything like that, if you want to eat, you got to work for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Well, if you, if you think about, you know, everything that you've learned along the way, can you sum up, you know, perhaps some final thoughts here of what you think is really important for uh, whether you're a student in the classroom or a teacher or someone in a corporation, what are some final thoughts that you would like to take away from your experience with creating the Make-A-Wish Foundation what you've created with your Wishman movie? Well, the, the message of the movie is everyone can be a hero. You can help somebody out. When people need help, help them if you can. And that doesn't have to be money. People think, well, I have to donate this and that. Donate your time. You can help somebody out by just donating your time. An example was when I was very young, people in this little town of Seligman were helping me out so much. And my mentor, Juan Delgadillo, said just that, give back. I said, I don't have anything. What I can give back? And gave the example, look at Mrs. Sanchez, the widow Sanchez. She is always bringing you and your mother beans and tortillas, trying to help you out. Look at her yard. It's a mess. You're big enough. You can go over there, rake, weed, clean that yard. You can help paint that front porch of hers. You can give back your time. You don't have to give back money. And that's the message I'd like to give out. Um, I now very fortunate to sit on several nonprofit boards to help them mentor them, to help raise money, to help make awareness. And all that does is I'm giving back my time. I don't have finances to take care of that, but I'm giving back my time to help do that. And, and that's just the whole message. Absolutely. It just made me think about, uh, I, I had been asked to do some work with the Arizona um, Children's Cancer Network. And it was really my first introduction to uh, children with, with cancer. 
and I came in and I was, uh, they bought my books and, and I was to do a talk for them. And I wished I had volunteered with them beforehand because I had no idea how emotional the experience would be to try to stand up in front of a group of families that were going through cancer treatment. And so then I saw there were a, a group that had always been volunteering and they just seemed fine with it. And I, I was, it was probably one of the worst speeches I've ever given because I just wasn't, it just, I wasn't prepared for how I would feel um, to see kids like at this stage of treatment, having my own kids at home and thinking, you know, how do families do this? So, you know, uh, I always thought, you know, that this would be a great organization to volunteer with. And then watching the Make-A-Wish Foundation, um, how it was impacting. There were a couple of people that uh, I met through this, this uh, event that I've stayed in touch with and watched them uh, have an experience with Make-A-Wish. And the kids' spaces are lit up. And then to watch your movie and see, ah, oh, Wish Men, Make-A-Wish Foundation. It was just such a connection. I, had, it, I just don't know why I didn't make the two. Um, and then probably the fact that sometimes when you're not involved in something, you could always say, well, you know, I don't know anyone with um, childhood cancer. You just not, it's, it doesn't hit you as hard until you've seen it or, you know, experienced it. Is that why you think that seven-year-old impacted you so much? Well, yes. And, and I, again, as a patrolman uh, back in my highway patrol days, I de dealt with death on a weekly basis, especially with children. I mean, it, it just, that's so hard to, to get the ghost out of your head with that. And then to see where a child, this little Chris knew he was dying. I can't even imagine that. He knew he only had a couple of weeks to live. But to bring that little boy the joy to his wish to be a highway patrol motorcycle officer, to see him laughing, smiling, uh, it just, it just, and I always remember that image, but I also remember the images he was dying. And uh, when I pinned the wings on his uniform, to make his wish become true um, and then he died a couple hours later but just again see that smile i mean all of these these kids that you're talking about going through all these treatments these cancer treatments chemos everything else that we and as adults can't even imagine and yet they can smile so easily just right. so easily all right well frank well I, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to just share what you've been building over there, the book, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and now moving into uh, the speaking, um, sharing your story through public speaking. If anyone wants to reach you, the best place is at uh, wishman1.com, your website, if anyone wants to have you come in and speak about what you've created. Right. Right. I think friend me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, follow what's going on. The website shows what's going on, uh, where we're going to be, where we've been, uh, some uh, clips of the movie. So it's just kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, I, I've had a lot of fun watching you. I was actually talking to you while I was watching Wishman. I'm like, he wrote back. He wrote back. It was so much fun. <laughs> what's your vision for where this is going? Well, again, like I said, I retired and I'm so fortunate to have this new career as a speaking career. Uh, I'm not the guy that wants to sit around. And when I'm getting ready to retire, I look in the want ads. Uh, there's no want ads for a retired homicide detective. But what am I going to do next? And, Absolutely. And, and, and again, through meeting Greg Reed several years ago, and then his mentorship, Bernie Dorman's mentorship, led to this whole new speaking career. I'll boast a little bit. In 2016, 
I was a Forbes number one keynote speaker, and uh, <laughs> that gave some good credentials. But uh, we're just getting really booked up right now for the promotion of the movie plus the speaking. Uh, we're already booked into 2021 with speaking engagements. And I'm not one of those speakers that sell anything from stage, only a message, only a message. Powerful, Frank. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to work, but thank you for taking your time today. And I look forward to following you on social media, The Wish Man and Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, thank you. Pleasure talking to you. Take care. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. First thing.